When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, friends, and welcome back to episode 23 of Podcast Royal. I am your co-host, Rachel. And I'm your co-host, Jessica. And we are so happy you are here with us today. How are you, my friend? I am doing well. Um, You know, I have been super busy this week already. I've been on the phone with family, and we are planning a short little weekend trip to the beach sometime next month. So I'm super excited about that. And I have really recently gotten into uh, watching old seasons of Married at First Sight. Have you seen that show? (laughs) That is one of the few reality shows that I've never seen. Well, you, you'll get hooked if you watch it. It's on Hulu, um, and I have gone through most of the seasons at this point, and I'm really enjoying it. So that, um, that's been my week. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. So today we are recording on Tuesday, April 20th. It is the fifth birthday of my beautiful niece, Allie. So I wanted to say a special birthday shout out to you, Allie. You are a queen already. And I absolutely adore you. So I just got back from her birthday dinner. So feeling just so blessed to have her in my life. So that is my, my day today. So you ready to do this thing? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on such a high from spending time with Allie. And now we're going to go kind of morose because we're going to forego the normal royal rundown again for one more week in favor of a conversation about what is the number one news item of the week in the royal stratosphere and that is prince philip's funeral which was held this past saturday april 17th it was a beautiful day in windsor for the funeral and as you can imagine i have abundant thoughts so jessica what was your overall impression of the funeral oh my gosh Well, it was really beautiful. Um, I thought it was a wonderful tribute to His Royal Highness. And so many moments stick out in my mind when I think about it. I was really interested um, in the Land Rover. So I definitely got up Saturday morning, you know, and and I wanted to see that. And um, I just thought that was a really special touch. And then I found myself really, you know, as I watched the funeral, I, I just really felt for the family. Um, you know, you have to remember it, it. It's on TV and we're all watching it, but it's a real and difficult moment for them. And I just really, you know, teared up a few times thinking about them. And especially Charles, I thought looked um, quite sad as he walked yeah. to St. George's Chapel. And um, that just kind of struck me. And, you know, I guess other moments from the morning, um, I, Certainly don't think I'll forget the image of 
the military carrying the coffin inside St. George's Chapel with Prince Philip's hat and his sword on top and that beautiful arrangement from the Queen. So uh, just a lot of moments kind of stuck with me. Um, on a brighter note, it was an absolutely gorgeous spring day. It was really nice to watch them walk through and see all the old architecture and the military and guards and the procession. So I thought they did a great job making it feel like it was suited for Prince Philip. Yeah, I think, you know, I think he would have loved it. I think he, I think it was exactly what he would have wanted. So this is the first large scale royal funeral since 2002. So nearly 20 years ago when the queen mother passed away. The procession leading to St. George's Chapel and seeing Charles, William, and Harry walk behind Philip's casket was, for me, so eerily reminiscent of 1997 and seeing all three of those men, plus Philip and Diana's brother, Charles Spencer, do the same for the late Princess of Wales, except obviously so much has changed since 1997. Brothers united in grief in 1997 have had, shall we say, a lot of water under the bridge since then, and much has changed in those 24 years. I wonder if we would have ever known back in 1997 what all was going to happen from then to now, if we would have even believed it, you know? So mm -hmm. jumping way ahead here, I will say that of the emotionally charged day, one of the bright spots was after the service, seeing William, Harry, and Kate, and then later Kate kind of stepped back. She probably did that intentionally, and I love her for that. Uh, late, so later, just William and Harry walking side by side and chatting. That warmed my heart on a very difficult day. So what did you think of seeing the three of them together again for the first time in over a year? I thought it was really nice to see them together. Um, you know, I think they did a great job coming together as a family, as they should, to honor their grandfather. Um, and, and, you know, I was hoping that the press wouldn't spend too much time on that because the day was really about Prince Philip. And um, I felt like they did a great job, you know, showing them walking out, but not um, not overdoing it and, and taking the focus off of what the day was really about. Yeah, I agree. So Princess Anne was the lone female in the group walking in the procession behind Philip's casket. That group included Anne and her three brothers, Charles, Andrew, and Edward, as well as three of Philip's four grandsons, William, Harry, and Peter Phillips, who is Anne's son, who walked between the two. Much was made, of course, of Peter being used as the quote-unquote buffer between the brothers, but I think Honestly, it was much ado about nothing and simply how it played out logistically. I heard that they were ordered by age. So in a life dedicated to service, one of Philip's last acts of service really was bringing two brothers together again, whose relationship is hopefully on the mend and on the path to peace. So I wanted to mention too, how about the Land Rover, how fantastic that Land Rover was that transported his casket to St. George's Chapel. As we said last week, Philip had a huge hand in planning his own funeral. He designed the custom Land Rover we saw on Saturday. I think, again, that Philip would have loved the way his day turned out. Do you agree? 100%. I think it went exactly as he would have hoped. You know, it, it wasn't um, overly you know, over the top with too much fluff or whatever, but it was incredibly well orchestrated and it, and it did feel regal. Um, and you mentioned the Land River. I loved, I'm sure you saw this, the photo on Instagram of the little uh, small, like, 
toy Land Rover truck um, that someone had left among some of the flowers. And oh, I thought, wow, like, no, I did not see that actually. Uh, it's just, I'm, I'm still like, I, I mean, I, I got really emotional as well. Um, we'll talk about the queen in, in just a minute, but I was really impressed with the military precision of the procession something I also think Philip, military veteran, would have appreciated. And as you mentioned a moment ago, on top of his casket wore a cap, which symbolized the naval career he gave up to marry Queen Elizabeth and become her consort. And a sword that was actually a gift from Elizabeth's father, King George VI. The queen picked out that beautiful arrangement of flowers that sat atop the casket and she signed the card heartbreakingly, I love you, Lilibet, which is her childhood nickname that Philip still called her. And it is believed that he is the last one to call her by this nickname. So probably the most poignant and heartbreaking image of the day was the queen sitting alone in St. George's Chapel. Of course, she was uh, socially distanced from everyone, but her sitting alone there in that seat that we've seen her sit in before for Harry and Meghan's wedding in the same venue or Eugenie and Jack's wedding in the same venue, but Philip is always next to her. It just drove home that point even more that the queen is now a widow after 73 years of marriage and 82 years of a love story. She just looks so alone and, you know, obviously again, forced to be that way because of COVID, but it was striking and piercing. Did you have that same reaction when you saw her sitting there? She just looks so small and just, it, it was just so heartbreaking to see her so alone in that moment. You know, she always carries herself really well, no matter the occasion. And of course your heart goes out to her and you imagine what she must be feeling in those moments, um, you know, watching her, her walk in and, and, take her her seat and I just thought you know for a woman in her 90s who's just lost the love of her life I was incredibly impressed with how she held herself together and she walked in without assistance and and she was sitting alone and it was a hard moment and um I did you know I felt for her and and I definitely get what you're saying I, I felt that as well um but I also felt like she you could just tell that she was comforted by her relationship with God and, and understanding the bigger picture. And, um, you know, she, she understands, um, the meaning of life and, um, she did as she always does, you know, it's her role to show this level of strength and, and inspire others and help others feel calm. And I felt like she did that even, even during the funeral. Yeah. I mean, she's just, She's incredible. She's an absolutely incredible woman. So the entire day had Philip's fingerprints all over it. Um, you mentioned this a minute ago. Sometimes I felt uncomfortable almost watching the family mourn its husband, its father, its grandfather. It felt a little voyeuristic to be so intimately exposed to their pain, especially Charles. Charles just looked so grief stricken. But Philip was also really the grandfather of the nation and the patriarch of not just the family, but an entire country and an entire Commonwealth. And, you know, all told, he lived a remarkable life of 99 years and truly did execute faithfully the oath he made at his wife's 1953 coronation to serve as his wife's liegeman of life and limb. I just kept thinking throughout the service, well done, my good and faithful servant, well done. 
So at the end of the day, this is about a love story. A man who gave up his career and his ambitions to love and serve his queen. I am so, so thankful that the queen and Philip had the past year together at Windsor, just the two of them, to say all the things that needed to be said. Both Her Majesty and Philip, as you just said, are and were people of rock solid faith. And I know the queen's faith is sustaining her now. And it's sad to say goodbye, but it's never really a goodbye. It's just really a see you soon if you're a person of faith. So we are used to, as I mentioned a moment ago, in recent years, seeing St. George's Chapel as a place of happiness where Harry and Meghan and Eugenie and Jack both married in 2018. Of course, it looked much different on Saturday than it did at either of those weddings as only 30 were allowed at the service because of COVID. So I know this seems kind of reductive, but Kate looked absolutely stunning on Saturday. Jessica, did you see that photo of her in the car with her mask on, her green eyes staring right into the camera? Yes, I did. I felt like it was all over Instagram. Yeah. You know, all of the women looked nice, but I always love Kate's looks. She just manages to be so appropriately dressed for every occasion and loved her hair, loved her pearls. And I was going to ask you, Rachel, I know you're more familiar with jewelry in the royal family than I am. Was her necklace loaned to her by the queen for that day? Do you know which necklace that was? Yes, I do, actually. So, I just I want to say about that photo really quickly that that photo took my breath away it was absolutely glamour personified so she wore jewelry on Saturday that made a statement so her necklace was the queen's four row Japanese pearl choker which Kate wore to her majesty and Philip's 70th anniversary party back in 2017 and if the piece looks even more familiar it might also be because Diana wore it once to a state visit in the Netherlands in 1982 which was the year that both Kate and William were born. And her earrings were Her Majesty's Bahrain pearl earrings, which were made from pearls gifted to the queen for her wedding to Philip in 1947. So Kate knows what she's doing when she dresses. All of her clothes and her jewelry have meaning. And so that made it even more special. The pieces are beautiful, but the fact that it had so much meaning even made it more beautiful to me. So I don't know if you, Jessica, or any of our listeners caught this, but as the family was walking away from the chapel after the service, cameras caught Kate dabbing at her eyes. And then Sophie, Countess of Wessex, walking next to her, leaned over and rubbed her back to comfort her. I thought that was an incredibly moving moment. Did you catch that? I don't think I did. Yeah, you so you have to stick around for a while after they're walking up the hill. It's towards the end of the coverage, um, and it, it's a really touching moment. And you know, of course, I'm sure Kate was overcome about Philip's service, but also by this time she had stepped back from walking with William and Harry, and they were walking together and talking. So, excuse me. So um, I think I'm losing my voice, but um, I feel like it's a little scratchy. But you can tell that just the whole emotion of the whole day just got to her and I don't blame her at all. So Megan was not able to be in attendance because she was not cleared by her doctor to fly to the UK as she is in advanced stages of pregnancy, but her presence was there nonetheless. She sent a wreath on behalf of the Sussexes to be laid at the altar and Megan, according to sources, also watched the proceedings on television just like the rest of us which began at 7 a.m. California time. 
we saw all eight of the grandchildren, including new moms, Eugenie and Zara. The service featured pointed hymns, Bible verses, a lone bagpiper, I loved that, and buglers. I was especially moved by seeing all of Philip's military honors at the altar, and we did not see out of respect the moment Philip's casket was lowered into the royal vault. He will stay there until the death of the queen, and at that time he will be moved alongside his wife to the King George VI Memorial Chapel, where the king, the queen mother, and Margaret's ashes are held currently. So it was an emotional day for me and I'm sure many others, but as Philip might say, it's time to get on with it. He lived 99 years of a remarkable life. His legacy will be one of public service, but also of private devotion and love to his family. So anything else you'd like to add about the funeral and just final thoughts on the day? Just echoing most of what you just said, overall, it was done very well. It was a really great tribute honoring the life of Prince Philip, and I think he would have absolutely approved. And I think the past week or two have really brought an awareness to his life and all that he accomplished. And, um, you know, I've just really enjoyed seeing photographs of him throughout the years on social media this past week and hearing so many fun stories. So overall, I was really impressed with it. Yeah, Philip was never one to put the attention on himself. So we never really hear stories about Philip, right? And now, of course, this past week we have, and he's even more remarkable than I than I thought he was. So again, rest in peace, Philip. We love you. And to Her Majesty and the rest of those grieving, our hearts are with you. So backing up to earlier this week before the funeral, we saw Charles and Camilla visit the gardens of Marlborough House, which I've never been able to say that word, Marlborough House in London last Thursday to view the sea of flowers and condolence messages left outside of Buckingham Palace for Philip. Both the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall were seen getting visibly emotional. And Eugenie, we heard from her on social media, she posted a tribute of her own writing, quote, Dearest Grandpa, we will all miss you. You would be so touched by all the tributes that have been shared with me the past few days. People remember sitting next to you at a dinner or shaking your hand once who remember you saying hello in passing or remember how much their DAV award meant to them. I remember learning how to cook, how to paint, what to read. I remember laughing at your jokes and asking about your spectacular life and service in the Navy. I remember incinerating the sausages and you swooping in to save the day. I remember your hands and your laugh and your favorite beer. I will remember you and your children, your grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Thank you for your dedication and love for us all and especially Granny, who we will look after for you. And she signed off with all my love, Eugenie. Mm -hmm. So Camilla also released her newest book club picks and all of them are inspired by her late father-in-law, Philip, who, like the Duchess of Cornwall, was a voracious reader. The four new picks are The Secret Commonwealth by Philip Pullman, Girl by Edna O'Brien, A Gentleman in Moscow, Moscow, can't speak, by Amor Towels, and The Red Notebook by Antoine Lorraine. So, and in a surprising turn of events, the Queen actually attended her first engagement since Philip's death refusing to miss a retirement ceremony on Tuesday, April 13th for Earl Peel, who stepped down as Lord Chamberlain a week before Philip died. P 
Peel served in the role for 14 years and oversaw Phillips funeral proceedings. And for those who may not know, the Lord Chamberlain position is the most senior officer role appointed by the royal household. They oversee all senior appointments of the senior royal family. They facilitate communication between the sovereign and the House of Lords, and they coordinate engagements between Buckingham Palace and Clarence House which is Charles and Camilla's office. So Jessica, did you expect to see the queen get back to work so soon? Because I, I did not. I thought she was in a period of mourning. No, I really didn't expect to hear anything from Her Majesty or, you know, other members of the royal family for that matter um, this week at all. And um, I thought it was really thoughtful of her to take time to honor someone else during, during this time because, you know, it's got to be tough to get back out there. Yeah, she just refused, simply refused to miss it. So she also released her first written statement since Philip's death. Of course, these statements that she releases typically begin with the Duke of Edinburgh and I, but this one, which was written to the people of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, which is a Commonwealth nation, after a series of volcanic eruptions read, quote, I have been saddened by the destruction and major disruption caused by volcanic eruptions in recent days. And my thoughts are with the many people and families who have been evacuated from their homes and whose livelihoods have been affected. I send my thanks to the emergency services and all those involved in the relief effort. My prayers will remain with the people of St. Vincent and the Grenadines at this very difficult time. So of course, the main difference there being that she started the statement with just I, and that was just one small word, but very striking. So it seems the queen is doing just what Philip would want her to do, and that is getting on with it. So, um, in a very terrible transition. Today, April 21st, marks the Queen's 95th birthday. So first of all, happy birthday, Your Majesty, and we hope you are doing something that brings you joy today amidst this rough week. So it was rumored, I don't even remember how this rumor started, uh, but a few years ago, the rumor started that the Queen would abdicate the throne when she turned 95. There is absolutely no sign of that happening. In fact, along with her faith, it will likely be her work that sustains her as she enters widowhood and the hurt that comes along with that. She will never abdicate, a royal insider tells people, saying, quote, she will never abdicate because of duty and honor and public service is so deep in her as it was for him, speaking of Philip. So the queen is the longest lived and the longest reigning British monarch the longest serving female head of state in world history and the world's oldest living monarch, longest reigning current monarch and oldest and longest serving current head of state. So basically she's broken every record there is to break. So going forward, the queen will be accompanied by various members of her family to different engagements as they will all step in to fill the void left by Philip. But Philip has been retired since 2017, at least publicly. So not a whole lot publicly will change. So as I know she is for you, Jessica, the queen is a hero of mine. And I think on her birthday, it's appropriate to revisit a speech she gave on the occasion of her 21st birthday in 1947 before she was a wife, a mother and a queen. I believe it sums up everything she is. and. While one sentence of the speech is by far the most famous, I believe the entire speech has merit. So in honor of your birthday, your majesty, I wanted to read your own words and to thank you for upholding them so steadfastly. So on her 21st birthday, which was on April 21st, 1947, 
The then Princess Elizabeth was with her parents and younger sister Margaret on a tour of South Africa. In a speech broadcast on the radio from Cape Town, the princess dedicated her life to the service of the Commonwealth, saying, quote, on my 21st birthday, I welcome the opportunity to speak to all the peoples of the British Commonwealth and empire, wherever they live, whatever race they come from, and whatever language they speak. Let me begin by saying thank you to all the thousands of kind people who have sent me messages of goodwill. This is a happy day for me, but it is also one that brings serious thoughts, thoughts of life looming ahead with all its challenges and with all its opportunity. At such a time, it is a great help to know that there are multitudes of friends all around the world who are thinking of me and who wish me well. I am grateful and I am deeply moved. As I speak to you today from Cape Town, I am 6,000 miles from the country where, where I was born, but I am certainly not 6,000 miles from home. Everywhere I have traveled in these lovely lands of South Africa and Rhodesia, my parents, my sister and I have been taken to the heart of their people and made to feel that we are just as much at home here as if we had lived among them all our lives. That is the great privilege belonging to our place in the worldwide Commonwealth that there are homes ready to welcome us in every continent of the earth. Before I am much older, I hope I shall come to know many of them. Although there is none of my father's subjects from the oldest to the youngest whom I do not wish to greet, I am thinking especially today of all the young men and women who were born about the same time as myself and have grown up like me in terrible and glorious years of the Second World War. Will you, the youth of the British family of nations, let me speak on my birthday as your representative? Now that we are coming to manhood and womanhood, it is surely a great joy to us all to think that we shall be able to take some of the burden off the shoulders of our elders who have fought and worked and suffered to protect our childhood. We must not be daunted by the anxieties and hardships that the war has left behind for every nation of our Commonwealth. We know that these things are the price we cheerfully undertook to pay for the high honor of standing alone seven years ago in defense of the liberty of the world. Let us say with Rupert Brooke, now God be thanked who has matched us with this hour. I am sure that you will see our difficulties in the light that I see them as the great opportunity for you and me. Most of you have read in the history books the proud saying of William Pitt that England had saved herself by her exertions and would save Europe by her example. But in our time, we may say that the British Empire has saved the world first and has now to save itself after the battle is won. I think that is an even finer thing than was done in the days of Pitt. And it is for us who have grown up in these years of danger and glory to see that it is accomplished in the long years of peace that we all hope stretch ahead. If we all go forward together with an unwavering faith, a high courage and a quiet heart, we shall be able to make of this ancient commonwealth, which we all love so dearly, an even grander thing, more free, more prosperous, more happy, and a more powerful influence for good in the world than it has been in the greatest days of our forefathers. To accomplish that, we must give nothing less than the whole of ourselves. There is a motto which has been borne by many of my ancestors, a noble motto, I serve. Those words were an inspiration to many bygone heirs to the throne when they made their nightly dedication as they came to manhood. I cannot do quite as they did, but through the inventions of science, I can do what was not possible for any of them. I can make my solemn act of dedication with the whole empire listening. I should like to make that dedication now. It is very simple. And this, of course, 
pausing the speech for a moment is the line that she is most famous for. And I could cry saying it because she really has lived up to this. Continuing in her words, I declare before you that all my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong. But I shall not have strength to carry out this resolution alone unless you join in it with me, as I now invite you to do. I know that your support will be unfailingly given. God help me to make good my vow and God bless all of you who are willing to share in it. Happy birthday, your Royal Highness, and also happy third birthday on Friday, April 23rd to Prince Louis. It really is the season for celebrations around here, even amidst the difficult times. So I love that speech. Like I got chills as I was reading it. So thank you for obliging me in reading the queen's own words and your majesty, you have certainly lived up to that vow you made in 1947. So Jessica, I am turning it over to you. All right. Well, you know, I really struggled with what to talk about on the podcast today. I knew Queen Elizabeth would be turning 95 this week, but I've still had Prince Philip's funeral on my mind, and it's just been hard to pivot to something different, um, you know, but 95 is a monumental birthday, and it is cause for celebration. So, you know, Saturday in its own way was sort of a celebration. It was a celebration of the Duke's life. And it's only fitting that now we celebrate Her Majesty. So um, actually, before we jump in, Rachel, I was reading online just before we started recording that several of the family members are planning to visit the Queen um, this week. So she should have a great birthday and, and won't be alone, hopefully. I, I saw that Princess Anne... Prince Andrew, Sophie Wessex, and Camilla have all planned visits. And it's also been said that um, Princess Eugenie and Jack Brooksbank are planning to bring baby August and do an outdoor walk with the queen and her two corgi puppies. So that, that sounds like so much about the puppies and how glad I am that she has them right now. Yes, I know. They'll definitely keep her company. So I thought Today, um, we're going to do a really lighthearted segment here. I thought we would talk through planning our very own birthday party for the queen and give her a celebration of some of her favorite things. So, Rachel, if you and I were planning a party for Her Majesty, the first thing we would have to decide is a location. And for her 95th birthday, I say we hold her party in Scotland at Balmoral. Oh, Balmoral. Balmoral. Yes, Balmoral has been one of her favorite residences for years, and I think she would really enjoy that. So next, if we're planning her party, we need to know what kind of a party to host. I say we do a themed birthday party. It has been said Her Majesty loves themed parties. So I say for 95, we give it a picnic theme because it has also been said that when she and Prince Philip would visit Balmoral, they loved to have picnics together. So I thought that would be really fitting for this party. Um, guests can wear their best picnic attire and we'll have a brightly colored party dress made especially for the queen. I'm sure our listeners know this, but Queen Elizabeth always wears bright colors when she is out on engagements and that is so she can be spotted in a large crowd um, because she knows people will be looking for her. So for party decor, we'll do floral arrangements, of course, since it's a, a 
outdoor picnic party. Um, and the arrangements will include Lily of the Valley. Oh, this I love Lily of the Valley. Yes, me too. And, and this has been said to be Her Majesty's favorite flower. Um, it was even included in her coronation bouquet. Ooh. So we'll also have uh, several beautiful swans and ponds around the party area. I think this would make a really great natural addition to the party decor. And um, Rachel, did you know that all of the swans in the UK bodies of water actually belong to the queen? They're, they're her property? Yes, they are. Oh, I did not know that. That's so awesome. This, yeah, this dates back to the 12th century when swans were considered a delicacy and the crown actually took ownership of them. But it doesn't stop there. So she also owns all of the dolphins and whales and waters around the UK. And they are referred to as Fishes Royal. <laughs> Very Fishes Royal. <laughs> I, I mean, swans are incredibly elegant. So that fits with the monarchy. Absolutely. Okay, so every great party has to have a signature scent to go along with the ambiance. So the scent for this uh, picnic party is going to be inspired by Her Majesty's favorite perfume. And of course, I'm going to struggle to say this right. Um, this is a tough one. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to say Guerlain Bleu Eau de Toilette. Um, the notes in this perfume include vanilla, carnation, neroli, and iris. So imagine this scent and that's what our party will smell like. Mm. And of course, we have to have music at the party because every great party has music and Her Majesty has always loved to dance. So we'll have a dance floor. Um, we'll start the evening off with calm classic songs by Fred Astaire, George Formby, and Vera Lynn. Um, a few of Her Majesty's favorite songs include Cheek to Cheek, Leaning on a Lamppost, and White Cliffs of Dover. And actually, Rachel, I don't know if you've heard any of those, but um, I'm really familiar with Cheek to Cheek. And I, I listened to White Cliffs of Dover before we recorded. So listeners. I am very familiar with all of those songs. Okay. because My grandmother was also born in 1926, the same year as the Queen. So and she loves music or loved music. She passed away in 2012. But um, I can hear all of those songs in my head right now. Yes, yeah, definitely to our listeners, go YouTube them and, and play them. They're just good classic songs. Mm -hmm. So as the evening goes on, it'll get later. I'm sure people are going to really want to start dancing. So I thought at that point, we'll pivot and we'll change up our music and we'll do 1960s pop, which is another favorite genre of Her Majesty. Um, so, okay, quick quiz question, Rachel, do you know which one of the Beach Boys songs is a favorite of Queen Elizabeth? Ooh, um, there's so many good songs from the Beach Boys. Um, what about God Only Knows? No, it's California Girl. Okay, I was, I, that's the first song that popped into my head, but I was like, that doesn't seem like that would be a woman from the UK's favorite song, but that's interesting because now, you know, Megan is a California girl and her soon to be 11th great grandchild will be a California girl. And so that's very fitting. Yeah, I know. I, I thought that was funny too. It wasn't what I would have expected, but you're right. It is definitely fitting. It's a good song. So it is. <laughs> 
So since she's the birthday girl, she'll have to arrive to the party in style. Since she loves horses, we will reserve the horse-drawn Scottish state coach from the Royal Mews. For our listeners who may not know, the Royal Mews is the equestrian stables where the royal family keeps their carriages and some of their horses. Typically, I think they keep about 30 horses there along with um, some state motor vehicles as well. So the Scottish state coach is an enclosed carriage. It was built in 1830. It's not to be confused with the gold state coach, which is the gilded carriage that they use for coronations, royal weddings, and jubilees. The Scottish state coach is actually black and it's got big red wheels. I'm sure you can imagine exactly what I'm describing here. Um, It's enclosed with glass windows. It's got clear panels in the roof. And it's got this model of the crown of Scotland right on top of the roof. And I believe that was actually the coach that was used to carry Princess Eugenie and Jack Brooksbank at their wedding. Um, But Rachel, you should go Google this because I feel like it's one that you see it riding along and you don't notice the little crown right on top of the roof. But when you look at a picture, you see it and it's actually really cute. I loved it. I love that. So of course we have to have a signature drink to serve guests during the cocktail hour. Um, So at our party, we'll have a specialty drink of the night and it'll be gin and debonair, which of course is her majesty's favorite drink. Um, She likes it with a slice of lemon. So debonair, if you're not familiar with it, is an aperitif. Um, It is a really good before dinner drink to sip. Um, and we'll, we'll make these drinks with Buckingham Palace gin. So if you aren't familiar, Buckingham Palace actually does have its own bottle of gin for purchase. Unfortunately, it's only available for delivery within the UK, but the website describes the gin as having a unique royal origin with many of its citrus and herbal notes sourced from botanicals gathered in the Buckingham Palace Gardens. It says, um, let's see, lemon, verbena, hawthorn berries, and mulberry are among the 12 botanicals handpicked for the gin in the gardens at Buckingham Palace. I feel like so, we talked about this gin a few weeks ago. We did, or I feel like it was maybe a few months ago. Um, it's, it's been yeah. a little while, but we did mention it on another episode. Um, The gardens at Buckingham Palace, they span 16 hectares and they provide a habitat for over 30 species of birds, 250 species of wildflowers. And when serving the gin, they recommend pouring a measure of the gin into an ice-filled short tumbler um, before topping it with tonic and garnishing with a slice of lemon. So you're right, Rachel, we, we have hit on this before. Um, I think it would be really cool to taste this gin. Um, a bottle goes for about 40 pounds, which is around 56 US dollars. Okay. For dinner, we would do a fancy sit down meal of French cuisine. So typically Her Majesty eats meat or fish and vegetables at mealtimes. Um, but she loves French-inspired dishes, and the past royal chef, uh, Darren McGrady, which we've talked about him before as well, he was known to commonly cook French food for Her Majesty at dinner time. Following dinner, we'll serve her birthday cake, and her birthday cake will be chocolate biscuit cake. Are you familiar with this one, Rachel? 
No, what is that? So Her Majesty loves chocolate biscuit cake so much. She's even been known to pack some in a tin and bring it with her when she travels. Um, it's actually made from layers of chocolate and tea biscuits covered in chocolate icing. It looks really good. I Googled it online and I'm wondering where I have to go to try this cake. Um, surely somewhere other than Buckingham Palace makes it. There's um, be a recipe out there. I'm sure there is. But Prince William is also a big fan of this cake and it was even served at um, his and Kate's wedding. Okay. So they must really love it. Yeah, really. So after dinner and cake, we will have Her Majesty open her gift from me and you, Rachel. And I think you're going to really no love pressure. what we got her. What now? I said no pressure. What do you get the queen? <laughs> you're going to love what we got her for her birthday. So we are going to give her another corgi puppy. Oh, yeah. You can't <laughs> go wrong. Um, and so, okay, let's see. She... Um, I know she recently just got two corgi puppies that we've talked about a lot on here, but I figure you can never have too many puppies, um, especially when you have a staff that probably looks after them for you. Right. So throughout her life, Queen Elizabeth has had more than 30 corgis. Wow. In 1933, her father, King George VI, bought uh, brought her her first corgi puppy home to her and her sister Margaret and that's when she really fell in love with them and do you know what they named their first corgi I do and it's Susan <laughs> no uh, very Susan? close okay Susan was number two I know um, don't all of the corgis now descend from Susan like I think so yeah they're all Su who's the who's the first puppy if it's not Susan I was gonna be surprised if you got this right but I'm trying not to laugh at this name but the first puppy that they got they named Dookie <laughs> that's probably before that word had a different connotation to it well it it was spelled d-o-o-k-i-e and I actually thought okay you know kind of sounds like a duke like a royal title no, I thought it would be d-u-k-e-y like well well I googled that spelling d-o-o-k-i-e and it was defined as a dog's excrement so. yeah no I know what dookie is but I thought that yeah. they would have named it like because you know her father was a duke and <laughs> like after anyway that's, that's well, I was I was thinking maybe that spelling had some other meaning that I wasn't aware of just to check, but but no, it's definitely dog poop. So yeah, I never that is one word I never thought we'd say on podcast royal, but we did it. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah. So on her 18th birthday, she got Susan, her second corgi, and that was also a gift from her father. And from there on, her love of corgis just continued to grow. Um she you know, has continued to have quite a few over the years, as we've mentioned. So um, I also know that she'll love her birthday card from us. So you might not think a birthday card from us would be very special to her because she receives more than 70,000 letters a year, mm. which is about two to 300 a day. I mean, can you believe that? Could you imagine getting that many letters every day? Um, no, but I guarantee that, I mean, I hate to like burst the bubble and break hearts on this podcast but I very much guarantee she does not see the vast majority of those letters her staff does well so what I was going to say to that was um th 
the reason why our card would be special to her is that she actually has been known to be given most of the letters that she receives on a daily basis by her private secretaries. And um, she's actually been known to really enjoy getting those letters. So I love I'm that. Sure that makes me love her even more. Yeah, I'm sure she doesn't sit down and do a deep read of 200 letters every single day, but I'm sure she gets a nice sample of them. And um, I can imagine her sitting at her desk going through them and um, actually taking a time to read a few every day and really. I can see that you know, too. I, can I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's got, her, she's got a hard job. Like that's got to fuel you to keep going, right? Absolutely. Well, especially like right now, I'm sure she's getting tons of messages of condolence and I'm sure that's really warming her heart right now. Yeah, for sure. So following birthday gifts, we'll have some fun late night eats for guests to enjoy if they're still at the party and they want to keep going late into the night. I thought we would serve Earl Grey tea after dinner for everyone because Her Majesty loves Earl Grey tea. And then um, we'll also have wait staff come out and they'll walk around with small little boxes of fish and chips for uh, just for fun. This okay. is one of Her Majesty's favorite takeaway meals. I mean, you can imagine at the palace, they probably really don't eat fish and chips that often, but um, when she and Prince Philip used to go to Balmoral, they would often send a footman to a local fish and chip shop nearby. Um, I think there's a near town, a nearby town called Ballater. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but the footman would pick up fish and chips and bring them back and they would enjoy this classic British meal together. So now the British way to enjoy fish and chips is with a lot of malt vinegar. Do you do malt vinegar with fish and chips, Rachel? I mean, I'm not opposed to it. I've done it before. So yeah, let's do it. Let's do it the way the queen likes it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love vinegar on fish and chips. Mm -hmm. And then we'll also serve small bites of chocolate perfection pie. This is another dessert that the queen enjoys. Um, it's a pastry filled with chocolate cream, meringue, and cinnamon. So we'll do little bite-sized versions for late night snacks. I love it. I love a good late night chocolate pie. Me too. And lastly, we'll end the night with a big champagne toast in honor of Her Majesty. So the queen loves champagne and she actually drinks a glass every evening. Did you wow. know that? No, I didn't. And I should <laughs> adopt that habit because I too love champagne. Yeah, me too. Um, I've read this a few times when, when learning about. Not surprisingly, she has a few preferred brands that she likes. So I thought, you know, we'll pull our money, Rachel, and we'll splurge and we'll order a few favorites for her birthday. Um, two brands that she really likes are Bollinger and Krug. I don't know if that's how you pronounce them. I'm trying here. <laughs> um, both of these brands have royal warrants for being official suppliers to the queen. Okay, so how much do you think a bottle of one of these champagnes might cost? Oh wow, I'm I'm an <laughs> I'm an Andre Extra Dry five dollar a bottle. <laughs> so so uh, gonna guess it's more than five. Um, let's say a bottle. Let's say three hundred and fifty. Okay. Yeah, I think the most I've ever spent on a bottle of champagne might have been twenty, and that was a big splurge. Yeah. Um, so okay, let's just say 
this champagne is a little more than $20. Um, the prices do range a bit, you know, because they've got some different special editions available. But for the Krug, when I checked online, it looked like bottles ranged anywhere from around $100 to upwards of $1,000 a bottle. Okay. And the Bollinger actually went even higher. So they had some special edition bottles of champagne that were listed for more than $5,000 a bottle. I mean, come on. Like, I, I, I mean, I know you're the queen of England, but like champagne at the end of, I, you know, maybe that's just me and I just drink cheap <laughs> champagne. The, I'm, I was about to say champagne is champagne, but I mean, I, I know there's a difference between $5 and $5,000, but that seems like a lot of money to spend on booze. Well, my thought was if I drink a $5,000 bottle of champagne, I better not have a headache the next day. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. I, I better not be hungover. Yeah, I'm sure they probably reserve the $5,000 bottles for special occasions, but um, but really interesting to, to know that she definitely has the taste of a queen. I love that she has a glass of champagne every night because why the heck not? You're I the agree. queen of England and <laughs> all Commonwealth realms, you know, and like, even if you're not the queen, why the heck not? Why not? You only live once. I agree. So now it's the end of the night. Queen Elizabeth will thank her guest. She'll leave the party probably in her Bentley. We'll, we'll make sure she's got a nice um, getaway car too. And we'll send everyone off with party favors to go along with our picnic theme. So I found the perfect party favor for this birthday party. I checked online and the Buckingham Palace gift shop is selling themed hampers, which is like a picnic, picnic basket um, if you're not familiar. And they're filled with all sorts of goodies. So each person attending the party will get their springtime hamper, which includes two coffee mugs, uh, one yellow, one green a tin of lemon shortbread biscuits or cookies as we say in the US, a tin of English breakfast tea, and a daffodil chocolate box filled with chocolate truffles. So each of these hampers goes for about 99 pounds each, which is about 138 US dollars. Okay. Wouldn't that be fun to splurge and, and send to someone that, um, that, you know, just surprise them with a picnic basket full of goodies? Yes, and I expect that to be um, given to me for my next birthday. Not necessarily by you, but by somebody. Your next birthday is a big birthday, so. It is a milestone birthday, just like the Queen's is a milestone birthday. So I hope our listeners really enjoyed party planning with us, and I hope I gave a few of you some inspiration if maybe you want to plan your own picnic-themed birthday party this year. Um, and I thought we'd end uh, sharing a few memorable birthday presents of some of the royals in years past, and then we'll wrap it up. So first, you know, we'll talk about the birthday girl. So for her 21st birthday, Queen Elizabeth received a diamond necklace from South Africa that contained 21 diamonds. The biggest of the diamonds was 10 carats. Wow. Each of the 21 diamonds was surrounded by a smaller baguette and brilliant cut diamond on either side. 
And um, she once referred to the piece as being her best diamonds. And she really doesn't wear them very often. She saves them for very special occasions. Um, she did later on have the necklace shortened and she used the extra length um, that she cut off to have made into a matching bracelet. So that was one of the most special gifts that she's gotten for her birthday over the years. Mm. And then Kate Middleton recently celebrated 39 years of life in January earlier this year. So um, she received some special gifts from her family that are worth noting. Of course, George, Charlotte, and Louis gave her a bouquet of flowers. And the three of them, along with William, baked her a homemade vanilla and caramel cake. And then from William, she received sapphire and diamond earrings, which go wonderfully with her very famous engagement ring. Yes, I just thought that. So even Princess Charlotte has been gifted some really fancy items for her birthday, even though she is so young. Um, for her first birthday, she was given a white gold rattle with diamonds, rubies, and sapphires from the Natural Sapphire Company. Do you want to take a guess at how much the rattle was worth? I don't even want to guess because I'll vomit. Uh, she, th you said that was for what, her, her first or second birthday? birthday yeah no go ahead and tell me that I'm gonna be sick so the rattle is worth $44,000 what yes um now it's not known if the gift was accepted generally the royal family's not allowed to take gifts from companies like that um but it was it was presented to her by the natural sapphire company so Who um and earth, that baby does not know the difference between <laughs> A $44,000 rattle and a $4 rattle. And it's just going to get thrown across the room just the same way that a $4 rattle would. Wow. So I did read, um, I, I can't remember if it was Prince Charles or Prince William. It might have been Prince William that had said something about the rattle. Um, I think he made some comment about, you know, she gets all these gifts, but she just wants to play with my iPhone. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the typical story of you can buy children extremely expensive gifts for Christmas and all they want to do is play with the box that the gift came in. <laughs> Yep. So that birthday, she was given quite a few things. Um, she also received a cot blanket from the Australian government made from Tasmanian merino wool. And the New Zealand prime minister gave her booties, teddy bears, and baby blankets made from Stansboro wool, which is much more fitting for a one-year-old. Um, so yeah, I thought that was, that was sweet. And then also, Princess Beatrice, one year, um, Edo actually had a bronze sculpture made for her by his stepfather, who is a sculptor. Um, and that was mentioned as one of her more memorable birthday gifts. And then last but not least, for Prince Charles' 71st birthday, Camilla surprised him with a getaway. She booked a trip for them at a holistic health retreat in India. The retreat offers yoga, naturopathic treatments, and it's located on a 30 acre organic farm. So um, they really know how to celebrate birthdays in style. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, that was, <laughs> I love that. And I'm still hung up on the fact that the queen's first corgi was not Susan. I thought for sure I was going to get that trivia question right because I don't really get a lot of trivia questions right on here. I promise I know a little bit about the royal family. But anyway, so 
Oh my gosh, episode 23. Thank you listeners for tuning in. We've got some really exciting things coming up. So next week, we will finally get to the royal wedding dress coverage that we have postponed for two weeks now, which actually makes more sense that we're doing it next week because that's right in time for William and Kate's 10th wedding anniversary on April 29th. And then the week after that, we are so excited that we're going to have our first guests on the podcast. We're not going to tell you who they are just yet, but they, there's two of them and we cannot wait to have our first guests on for episode 25. So any final words, my friend? Just hope everybody has a great week and I'm excited for what we've got coming in the next few weeks on the podcast. Yeah, just so much to look forward to. Again, shameless plug, please, please, please subscribe, rate, review, give us those five stars. Thank you so much. And we will see, uh, or rather chat with you lovely people next week. Bye. Bye.